imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. With your host, Kalin Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock. About music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though... If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's a real world. I to go my life to. That's okay. It means something. It means something. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact that we're all up in your face. And it's time once again for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. Uh, take last week and a half, something like that, off. Uh, personal business, but we're back. We're back. We're back. Mr. Ben Varellen of Goddamn Helms of Lee. Very excited for this. I've been, I've been after him to do the show for quite some time, so I'm glad I finally hoodwinked him into doing it. I think this will be a, this will be a good time. Anyway, uh, if this is the first time you're listening to this show, my name is Kona Neutron. I am a lifelong musician. I've uh, touring and making records for the last 21 years. Uh, mostly known these days for Kona Neutron, The Secret Friends. This show, Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal, is a long-running podcast about music and musicians. This is episode 268. If this is your first time listening to the show, all of the archives are at protonicreversal.com and are always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. If you'd like to support the show or get episodes sooner, you can give a dollar a month to patreon.com slash Reversal. And if you like the show or even just a single episode, please feel free to share it along, like, subscribe, or post a review. All of that helps people find the show, and it's just a darn nice thing to do. All right. Ben Varellen. Helmsley, Harkonnen, Varellen Amps, Barhouse. Let's do this, man. Ben Varellen, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, so so good to see you. I was just jamming, jamming. Sure, I was just listening to some Helms of Lee earlier. Uh, I mean, it's no secret that I'm a huge fan of what you guys do, but it just always kind of shocks me just how incredibly consistent you are. I think all the albums have a ability to push new directions, and you guys try new stuff, but it's very consistent. And thanks, man. That's that's hard to do, especially for. Uh, uh, I mean, at this point, you've done quite a few records, so I, I a part of it has to do with the fact that it's three very unique individuals playing together. Totally. And I think, yeah, hundred percent. And I think that's something that. So my my first exposure to you guys was at the Hemlock. Jason Pace, who used to play in Kowloon Walled City. Basically cajoled me into coming out. I was like, you got to see this band Helms Elite that we're playing with. They're great. You'll, you'll love them. I was like, oh, is that the band Hosey plays in? Because obviously I knew Hosey from Lozen beforehand. And I was like, God, we just got back from tour. I'm so tired. Like, last thing I want to do is see a show. He's like, 
you should come out to this. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And so I came out and I, when I, how I describe it to people is like the Maxell guy where he's sitting in the chair and like his hair is like going back because the sound is like coming <laughs> at him. That was basically the experience I had. And I was like, holy crap, this is a product for me. Uh, so all that, all that said, I am a kind of, how, how did Hemsley actually get started? I actually don't know how you guys got started, which is weird. Um, this kind of a bunch of people being sort of between bands. I mean, um, uh, Dana James plays bass and I met, um, I had been kind of filling in playing drums and these arms are snakes. And, um, Right. We were in California, and she was in California. She was friends with some of those guys, so it was at the show, and we just got to be buddies from then and on. She moved to Seattle a short time afterwards, and we both ended up working a, on a painting crew, painting houses. And um, at some point, I was like, so I'm not playing in Snakes anymore, and she's like, I don't have a band. Let's get together and make noise. And that sort of ended up um, being she and I and sort of a revolving cast of drummers and our drum machines and um at some point I was talking to Hosey who I'd known for years at that point and was telling her about me and this girl Dana had been working on this band and we're just trying to figure out our drummer thing and she was like well, you know what I play drums and um it's like yeah I know you do and so, <laughs> I, uh, I am aware yes <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware so she um she came and met up with us and uh you know fast friends between everybody and we decided just like these are the songs we're working on when it comes to practice and uh, and then we threw away the drum machine shortly after <laughs> well and so so two couple things i want to go without uh, first of all yeah first time i ever saw jose play is i watched her play drums which is in tna so that's even pre lozen mm-hmm. and and that's when i met her yeah mm-hmm. and i was just like i was like oh man you're awesome and like it was hilarious because that's how we ended up hanging out because she didn't really know anybody there and i was like well i came to the show alone because i couldn't get anyone to go with me to see a bunch of bands nobody knows so we ended up hanging out and becoming friends but uh, Lozen, of course, I, I think it's would be we we have to mention Lozen because Lozen was such an incredible band with such an incredible discography, yeah. and that for whatever reason, one of those bands that never quite struck a larger chord necessarily, uh, but not for lack of a quality material. Fantastic band, like so consistent totally. too. Uh, so then, yeah, uh, which I guess is just commentary more than a question. But uh, tell me how you came to write everything that's on Night Terror, though. Were those songs that kind of sort of coalesced when you came to uh, the three of you playing all together? Yeah, yeah, those were, I mean, there might be one song on there that was originally written with a drum machine that it changed, of course, once Hosey started playing. And the rest of the songs were just the first batch of songs that we wrote. And so it was like, I think we started playing in like, it was probably fall of 2005, six. And then that spring we played our first show and recorded our first record. And it was just, nice. it was just a quick, you know, nice to meet you. Here's new songs, you know, it just happened really fast. That first chunk. Um, yeah, but it was just the three of us, like you said, three different weirdos. And, uh, and then that's just what comes out and just that batch of that batch of songs. And, and then, uh, you know, like, similar to like, you know, Lozen and other bands, you know, we, we, we weren't like hit the road and go on tour for, you know, two years afterwards. It was kind of a, you know, peppering of, you know, week long support gigs here and there. And what you can um, do. But, yeah. 
What's up? Uh, just just what you can do, like what you have the ability what you can to do. do. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's like that's kind of been our, you know, our bread and butter tour wise um, ever since, really. The tours have gotten longer and more frequent, but um, uh, yeah, it was kind of easing in that first year or two. Well, and I was aware of Harkonnen because uh, Replicator, my old band, we used to play. We really, for some reason, people liked us in Seattle and uh, the area, so we liked to play there as much as possible. And uh, <laughs> and every time we played, people were like, oh, you should play with Harkonnen. You should play with Harkonnen. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. And never never happened. But I was very aware of you guys, and I also was aware of the fact that I think you did a whole tour with a drum machine. Right, if I remember correctly, it wasn't a drum machine. It was what happened was uh, Matt, the drummer, broke his wrist right before tour. We had this whole U.S. tour booked, and it would have been like the second canceled U.S. tour for one reason or another. <sighs> so we were just like, we have this recording of Matt playing drums. Let's just sequence it and put some other little between song embellishments yeah. and have this on a CD playing on a disc man plugged into some smattering of PA heads and bass amps running into a random assortment of PA speakers and horns and subs. And I mean, none of it sounded very good, but it was loud and (laughs) me and Casey and the drummer went on tour and it was, it was just like a, this, the band was kind of a, kind of like one disaster after another, you know, the glass half, empty way to look at it maybe but it was like you know we were just like fuck it let's just go let's just do the stupid tour and it'll be we'll do it with a fucking cd player at least we'll do it and then it'll be done whatever fine we'll do it and it ended up being weird but kind of interesting here and there i don't know some yeah. shows are better than others it's like but discount austerity it. program or something right you know it's, it's like if you I'm sorry i said like discount austerity program or something like you know it's, <laughs> it's nice and loud then like you discount. can yeah you, you can kind of feel it a little more but then also you you lose any degree of um being able to kind of uh do anything other than like play to the thing that always will be the same no matter what right yep perform it yep totally so then i when the so switching back over to the first Holmes Lee record, to me, from an outside perspective, again, once I had Jason Pace, you know, drag me to the, to the show, it seemed like with that record, like it was just there from the beginning. Did, did you feel that like the, the sound that you guys developed naturally together was uh, kind of organic or did you have an idea of like, hey, let's do something kind of melodic? And the thing that gets me is the harmonies, right? Because there's a lot of heavy music out there. There's a lot of cool riffs. There's like lots of like neat guitar stuff and, and like whatever heavy music, noise rock, whatever. But the thing mm-hmm. that sets Helmsley apart is these massive soaring harmonies over all of it. And the, and the contrast between everyone's vocal style, like it's just very unique. Yeah, I, I, and that's that's the part that we have the least control over, I think, in, in a lot of ways too. We're we're really bad at talking about music. We're really bad at um, you know having a a plan and executing it. I think it's just we sort of have to just um, give ourselves up to the weird mishmash that happens when we just start playing together and and not try and you know uh, think think too like uh, mathematically about it. It kind of just you know, it's it's probably we probably sound insane in the practice room trying to describe what we're talking about doing. So, um, well, so like it, the harmonies, it's like there's no like you sing a third on that. It's just like that's what comes out, whatever thing, you know. So. Well, and it's it, it just it seems very organic and natural seeming from the outside and uh, kind of unique because I think there's a lot of I usually call them dudes yelling bands. 
where it's like a dude, <laughs> you know, just like Planet of the Apes, you know what you're getting to with the title. It's a dude yelling, you know, ah, ah, ah. and like you have more of a bellow, I would say, <laughs> than, than a dude, yell, which is interesting. But I always, um, I, and it, it maybe it has something to do with like the the incredible amount of nautical imagery and, and nautical stuff that happens with you guys. But I always just think of like a storm, like on a you know lighthouse going by when you're singing. <laughs> Uh, and then to contrast that with uh, with you know with Rosie, just you know these beautiful like soaring uh, vocals and and Dana and it all just kind of seeming as different as it is seeming like a unified thing. And even when you play contrast to it, like it definitely like you couldn't replace any of those people. It would not be the same no. thing at all. There's no it's, way. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's, it's it's it is it is like that. It's like a weird, um, you know, happy accidental combination of sounds and you know perspectives and um, yeah, it's just it's it's weird. I wouldn't I wouldn't tweak it. I wouldn't do anything to it. Yeah, why would you? <laughs> but the uh, I, I could. <laughs> yeah, why how could why would you and how could you? Yeah, uh, could you? yeah, it's such a it's just like alchemy almost, right? <laughs> So for that for that first record, uh, that was it was like a ten song record. You know, it had it had a um, left handy manhandle, weird in a way, rogues yarn. Um, the second to last song, which I know you guys close with a lot, it's like one of my favorite. But you guys, but how do you say it? Is it shmina? Shmina? Shmina. Man, we haven't played that one in a bit, but yeah, shmina. Yeah, which is I think just kind of like a, I think it's a hoseyism where she's. Um, you know, to trying to describe that certain I don't know what that kind of like you know just shna just with that shna you nice. know like it just and then at some point it's time will call it that. <laughs> I, I've been meaning to ask one of you guys about the name of that song for like oh, 13 years now. Like what? <laughs> so I'm glad I finally did it on air, so everyone else is curious might know. One uh, teenager ago. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about the recording of that record. Well, where, where, where did that? Um, who who did that? How was that? What was that process like? Obviously, it seems it seems like a very exciting atmosphere. It was cool. It was it was fast. We um, uh, Matt Bayless recorded it, and um, we did it on tape. We wanted to record on tape. Um, we did it in two days, and mixed it another two days. I think the whole thing was done in you know four, maybe five days. Um, but yeah, it was just everything was tracked live, and then go in and do the vocals, and that was that. There was like a little bit of piano and a little bit of extra instrumentation here and there, but it was not a lot. It was jammed out quick. And um, in this studio called Soundhouse um, here in Seattle, that um, Jack and Dino kind of runs the show there, and um, so yeah, it was a, it was convenient and quick, and you know, pretty painless and. You know, it was one of those in and out affairs, you know, not thinking too hard about anything. Did, did you have a, you know, sometimes when it's a new band, right? Like, you, of course, you have practice space recordings, but you're like, until you hear it recorded, you're like, oh, that sounds like that. Did you have that moment? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, oh, I didn't know yeah. you were doing that. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Especially with vocals, you know, it's like, yeah, well, that's what that harmony is. That's what's right. You know, yeah, and that and you know, like I said, it it seemed that 
it, it seemed like from the outside perspective is everything was already in the box and it's like ready to go like it just you know come out like a freaking fireball <laughs> which is great <laughs> that's cool no i i mean it's weird like i definitely think like going forward from there you know start thinking more about things but and then at some point kind of going back and like being like that no, was just like you know what we were doing at the start was working you know and just kind of things haven't really changed much since then we're all playing the same instruments and the same yeah you know kind of arrangement and kind of just ain't broke don't fix it kind of thing so tell me about weatherhead because that's of course has the has the great 816 with the the beavis and butthead video which is which is gone gone from the world is it really oh it's like one of my favorite videos of all time that's terrible yeah i don't know i don't know how to reclaim it um i suspect that the um whoever owns the rights they must be cooking up some new movie or something involving beavis and buds somebody went out and cleaned house around the internet (sighs) all the spooky stuff and um but yeah that was a that was a huge effort that video and and it turned out pretty silly and uh and andrew cox who did it did a really good job so i hope we can talk whoever is pulling the strings into letting that yeah let it exist live, man. Another. yeah i mean because because and for those that i guess haven't seen it because if you haven't seen it you're not going to be able to for the time being uh it's, it's it's like homage to like the classic era of the 90s when mtv played music and there was actually a few interesting bands that were let on but also the ones that even if they weren't that interesting, were in their ubiquity, you know, like, <laughs> like things was like, I don't really like this song, but I can tell you every frame of this video because I've seen it so darn many times. And, uh, it, it, it did the thing where it was very uniquely you guys, but I mean, God, like, was it <laughs> Rico Suave was the one, was one of them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a cartoon renditions of us in the style of Beavis and Butthead watching a tv which is displaying us real life enacting memorable moments from classic late 80s early 90s videos that we grew up with like temple of the dog pearl uh red hot chili peppers like i mean it was it's it's really well done especially considering i can't imagine it was a huge (laughs) budget but it's it I'm not kidding when I say it's one of my favorite videos of all time because it it, it, it it serves the purpose of being a great video, but it's just sometimes the thing is just perfectly executed, and that that is one of them. So I wish people could see it, but we'll, we'll try and resurrect at some point. We, we, a bunch of records of ours aren't on Spotify. That video is not on the internet. We're we're disappearing. We gotta reclaim it. <laughs> uh, did, did did do you need to go back and uh, save? Uh, McFly's dad or something like what? <laughs> something, something's gotta happen. Yeah, totally. I don't know what. <laughs> uh, I was also, uh, I think it was Comet Tavern where you guys first got those T-shirts. That, uh, oh, yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that are in the style that we won't talk too much about in case the anyone's getting litigious. But uh, yeah, they yeah. match the video, and I, I, I still wear mine proudly to this day. <laughs> very nice yeah that 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 was the predecessor to the the full-blown videos the, the t-shirt yeah and since then i've seen a bunch of other little you know homage t-shirts pop up and it's like man you don't you're not gonna get any money out of these little bands let us just have our laugh you know <laughs> just come on well and it's clearly it, it's done out of love too it's not like it's done out of like oh we're yeah. gonna yeah we're gonna exploit yeah, this and tri- <laughs> come on get out of here yeah <laughs> Silly, silliness. 
so then, so talk to me about Weatherhead. So that one has Pretty as Pie. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, uh, there's a bunch of good ones. Speed Skater is on there. That, that's a mm-hmm. good one. Uh, you you obviously you you are more comfortable being a band. You've toured around a lot. Uh, you know where were you at and where you're trying to accomplish with that record? Like where where was the band at and where were where you thinking? Um, I think we probably, in my opinion, were thinking a little too hard about things on that record. I listen back to it; it's kind of a hard listen for me. It's like you know we're just kind of writing ourselves into you know, into problems in a way, you know, it just, it felt like it was, didn't come across as natural to my ears as the first record did. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it, you know, there are there's some interesting moments and um, especially some of the weirder, less performable songs I thought are kind of more interesting to me listening back. Some of the weird instrumentation and ballady stuff. And um, I think that stuff's kind of more interesting to me, but it was just, yeah. The second one we did um, also on Hydrahead, and uh, again Matt Bayless recorded it again to tape, um, and yeah, I mean it was we probably spent a little more time on it, had more songs to record, and then kind of wade through and uh, but you know same same people same approach you know. It definitely seems like you were. Like there's more, you know, what do they call it? Ear candy on that one, right? Like yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the check it out with headphones, bro. You know, like that kind of, that kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, I, I am a big fan of that kind of thing. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely, totally. uh, definitely down. I mean, but and you have, um, I mean, and there's there's like dichotomy. Like there's the more like you know technical. Uh, kind of crazy stuff like 816 and music box but then you have like really delicate moments as well and but it never mm-hmm. seems like it's like oh here's the ballad everybody you know anything like that. yeah 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 <laughs> it's maybe a weird word for that but yeah there's some there's a little more dynamics maybe on that one than the first one uh did you and did you did you feel like at the time that you were just hey we're just making another record did you feel like you were built like kind of like building on a thing or like where what, what, were, what were you thinking as far as, or were you thinking other than I want to make a record I, I and I want to sound good? Helmsley's never been very um, intentional of, as far as like a theme. Um, I mean, maybe an exception is the record we just finished recording that's coming out next year um, just because it was written and recorded under quarantine. So there was a, definitely a, a specific cloud over that process. But I mean, aside from that, it's just, you know, we're best friends get together you know once or twice a week and whatever comes comes and then when we accumulate enough material that we could arrange into something that could be a record then then we you know talk to the uh the higher ups and see if they're willing to invest in having us do that and and then we go and record a record and that's that and it's pretty been pretty much been that exact same process from the beginning to the end there hasn't really been ever a moment of like for this record, we're really going to do this thing. It's just, it's what comes, what comes just next? through that process of getting together and, you know, banging our heads against it. Yeah. And I, and I really, and I realized that I guess we must be moving into a new era. Cause I usually start with, Hey, how's, how's, how's your quarantines doing? Like, how, oh, yeah. you know, like, and I didn't even <laughs> that's, mention that's any nice. of that. Right. Yeah. Like, I, sorry, I broke, I broke the, no, no, the that, that's on me. I just didn't, I didn't, I was so excited to start talking about the records. I didn't even talk about it. the fact is I, I know for a fact you've been very busy during quarantine. So let's, let's, um, let's, let's pause the, the discovery run through here. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
God, Barhouse, incredible. Like that's like, can you can you tell me? All right, tell tell the layman. No, no, not me. The listeners, of course, Ben. Uh, tell the layman <laughs> all about Barhouse and like what like the last year of of transformation into this magical Lynchian wonderland you've made. It's silly, uh, but it's it's the most functional art project business that I've ever been involved in. Um, turns out people really like that booze, so that's handy. But um, it affords me and my friends to get to do some silly projects. And um, uh, so I had the business building guitar amplifiers for a long time. And uh, it, that was out of a basement shop for the last 10, 15 years. And a few years ago, neighbor upstairs on the street level was moving out. The landlord said, hey, do you want to expand your amp shop into the street level? I thought that was going to be a hard go, but booze. So um, that's how the bar idea came together to begin with five years ago. And, um, you know, and it's full of silly weirdness. So it's like it's a it's a very normal looking house um, on a busy street in Seattle. And um, you go inside and uh, there's a room that Dana James designed and built out. That's like you're in this crazy nighttime forest scene with a campfire. And there's, you know, stars twinkling above and you can hear the crickets and there's trees all around you and cool stuff. And then there's a back space room that's like painted floor to ceiling with this glow in the dark spacescape. And, and then there's all these buttons behind the bar that do quirky things and frighten the customers um, with smoke and lights and sounds and kind of, it's a little, little carnival-y sort of situation, but it's fun. And then there's booze, which is the reason people really come. None of that stuff matters to them. But, yeah, yeah, um, art, cool. I'm here to get wasted. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it's what pays for the silly yeah stuff. right well sure of but, course um, yeah you got to yeah right. got it so when COVID happened um and we had to close everything down and just kind of wait it out i was never very comfortable sitting at home watching tv or reading or any of that stuff so i felt compelled especially with all the anxiety and stress to just keep my hands moving and um the cool thing about that bar is it's you know it's a canvas for silliness at all times so um i did this crazy upside down seascape on the entire bar's main room ceiling so when you look up you're looking past these clouds to the ocean beneath you that has ships that are upside down all you know finding their way towards this landmass that has a volcano on it and there's a new button that when pushed uh, these motors vibrate under the bar and you can there's this eruption that happens and the mountain spills smoke upside down and you know it's silly stuff like that but um it was it. a fun project to keep you busy and then later on ended up building out this whole downstairs area half of what was Varel and amplifiers the amp shop that i was doing is now another bar and there's a space where we're doing uh pseudo outdoor venue um so we're doing shows and dj nights and um some food pop-ups and things like that um just trying to find a way to a survive and also keep ourselves and our friends busy doing the stuff they do when you can't really do all that stuff most places yeah starting to come back though starting to come back so with with the amps uh you kind of founded you know, Varel and Amplifiers proper, like what, like about 10, 10 years, 10, 11 years ago, right? Somewhere along those lines. You were go- you had it going for a while. 
15, 16 years ago. Really? That much? Okay, okay. All right. What do I know? Nothing. Pretty close. Pretty close. (laughs) I think you even bought an amp for me more than 11 years ago. (laughs) Was it that? Was it? Oh, wow. You might be right. Yeah, it might have been 2007, 2008, something like that. The the hardest thing is, so (laughs) how I truly know time has passed is when you see people that are, you know, lead like more regular lives and you see their children and like, oh, your your child is like a a human now, like a human running around Mm -hmm. with opinions and things. Mm -hmm. That's, I I feel like I just saw you last month and apparently that was four years ago. Whoops, my bad. (laughs) Same. Big time. Yep. Uh, So you had a thing you had you had, you had, a, you had a really fantastic overall design aesthetic uh and really fantastic like you know high high wattage high headroom uh for a certain type of player real down the line like you know uh um wish list bucket list kind of amp situation <laughs> but it's boutique it's a boutique amp, amp was it a boutique amplifier uh setup like it was not like something that you're going to be able to get into Guitar Center and sell, right? I mean, like, you know, uh, but the idea is that you're um, you're providing something of high value for the people that wanted it. Uh, is it ex- Was it exhausting? Like, why did you, did, was it not fun anymore? Or, like? Um, I just think, you know, that business was extremely hard and it was a really month-to-month existence for... You know, the first eight years of it going yeah. it started 2006 or seven and uh it wasn't until 2013 i think that i finally paid off the last of the investors because i did borrow a healthy amount of money from a bunch of friends and family and um and one of the professors that i i studied under and so i, I owed people a lot of money and i cared a lot about them and i was it was yeah. like one of those keep you up at night sort of affairs you know it was like um, now you're making me you feel know, guilty. I wish I could have paid mine off sooner. I feel really bad now. Like nothing oh, no, before. No. <laughs> it's a you know it was just it was just the reality of um, I'm, I'm a bad business person, you know, in a, in a lot of ways because I just really wanted it to work for everybody, and a lot of times it's just it's just a hard go. But I eventually did pay everybody off, and eventually did start to make some money, and I was able to make just enough that when the opportunity to do the bar thing came along, I was able to roll it for parlay that into yeah. getting that bar thing going very much on like a barter basis you know like oh you're a plumber can you plumb do all this plumbing work for the bar i'll pay you with a guitar amp oh you're an electrician you got that your amp needs fixing yeah i'll, I'll fix that for you how about some credit toward you know it was yeah sure. total barter maneuver like the whole thing um and so like the you middle know, ages sir i can pay you with an amplifier <laughs> sorry oh it's like the middle ages sir i can pay you with an amplifier i will yeah, take that amplifier yeah, yeah, exactly. my mandolin <laughs> needs maximum headroom <laughs> sorry. exactly so but once the bar got going it was pretty like quick to see how much more how much less effort had to go into selling a beer than selling a, a guitar <laughs> amp you know it was just kind of a heartbreaker and it was like yeah. really felt kind of rude you know it's like zero effort you open the doors and people just line up to get their fix and then you know you pine over this like business and you try and put your heart and soul onto it and you pitch it and you like go to trade shows and you take the show on the road and you stick amps in the stores consignment and all this stuff just hail mary hoping that it all works out and then it doesn't you try again and you owe people money so you gotta figure it out so we'll we'll do whatever you want custom amp oh you want an amp that's 
700 watts, but it's named after your dog and shoots smoke out of the back and has LED, whatever. And yep, we'll do that, you know, for less than we should, but we'll do it. And, yeah. You know, keep those bills paid. And then at some point it all, it was, you know, I guess my reason for stopping doing it is I felt like, um, you know, I'd gotten to the point with it where I paid off my people. That was the big one. And then after that, I felt like I had a more um, sort of dependable um, gig with the bar thing. And, um, and and I wanted to keep doing it. And I still want to keep doing it, but I just didn't want the hustle. I, I couldn't really justify the hustle. It was kind of like, um, you know, I, it's just, it's been, I kind of evolved myself into a little bit of a workaholic thing throughout the whole amp deal because it was kind of traumatic being that in debt and like, it's you stressful. Just, you get acclimated to the like, you got to show up and work, got to show up and work. And then I, now I'm trying to like tear myself from that a little bit. So it was like, I need to put this thing to rest and walk away from it completely in order to like figure out how to be a, a normal human being instead of just a, a workaholic nut job. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's like Walsby's book, Self and Punishment, right? Like you're just constantly having to just, yeah, you know, like I a shark, keep moving. <laughs> Yep. I mean, it's also on one hand, I feel like the world has like changed that it's easier to do kind of um, boutique special kind of like high quality instruments. But it's still like, look at the market. You know, it's still saturated by the big boys. And even if the big boys are putting out largely trash and I will say that like where it's like, cool, what's the last good amp that you put out? Why do people look for I'm not going to mention any manufacturer, but why do people look for amps you made in the 60s? Hmm. Right. I wonder. Yeah. Maybe because your amps are garbage now. Thank you. That's that's a really interesting element of it too, though, is that when I got started doing it, I mean, there was people doing some custom cabs and tons of people doing custom pedals. Um, and, but really, on the amp side of things, there wasn't a whole lot. There was, you know, maybe like I could count on two hands the number of um, custom amp companies that I knew of that were doing amps on a small scale similar to what I was trying to do, um, at least that I was aware of. And so that has really changed a ton over the last 15 years. And nowadays there's so many people doing custom amps, guitars, pedals, everything else. It's like yeah. you almost, it's cool because you don't need to like depend on the like handful of companies all selling their stuff through Guitar Center, these big boys, these like super dupers that just have it. You know, now it feels like people are really taking seriously the work that people like Dunnable are doing, the work yeah. people like Benson Amplifiers, you know, Chase Bliss, all these, you know, the uh, Earthquaker, of course, is like one of the most like um, impressive small companies that made it into such a functional thing. They really yeah. got the best out of the the big kid game and the best out of the small kid game and um, and are making it really functional for them and their community. It's like, I just feel like there's so many people doing such a good job at it that I just felt like, you know, like the chase of it is so hard. And I feel, I feel good about the, the amps that I are, have out there and I want to take care of them forever. And so it just made sense to me just to maybe like cap it and call it the end of an art project that is now can be done and no longer this like um, huge money and emotional suck. Of like, right. <laughs> you know, just keeping up with it. And so this had to be a fond memory that ended it in a good way. But this all depends on 
the bar remaining open, you know, to see how this COVID thing does. And, you know, so who knows, maybe I'll be back with my tail between my legs in six months asking for people to buy guitar amps again. Who knows? And maybe it'll be like when a band breaks up and then like is able to do the big reunion tour and then they get everyone yeah. like, hey, we forgot we liked you. <laughs> we know now. <laughs> the way people work on that tip is insane. Somebody told me that one of my amps is, was selling for kind of an exorbitant amount of money already. I'm just like, fucking sucks, man. <laughs> fucking sucks. Yeah. yeah. People are so insane. You know, this, pe- this peanut butter is worth $35. You really want it now, don't you? Yeah. You know, yeah, instead exactly. of, this is the same fucking thing. Like, ugh. No thanks. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. But I will, I will say that, <laughs> I mean, obviously as a, as a Verlin user, I'm, I'm somewhat biased, but I think you've, did something really incredible for a, a longer period of time, I think, than people. Re- obviously, a longer period of time than I even realized. Uh, and Thanks, man. It's hard. To, that's a hard thing to do in that world. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is, it's a hard thing to do. I mean, I think it's, it's, hard, it's do a hard thing to I do guess. as like a main source <laughs> of income, to really chase yeah. it, to have a rent that you've got to get to every month. It's like, you know... Um, I mentioned Benson amplifiers and that guy's, he's, he's a really good friend. He used to work at the shop for a long time doing repairs in the early days. And then when he took off and started his own thing, I think he learned from some of the mistakes that I made, to be honest, (laughs) I was always doing these one-offs and like chasing whatever custom jobs people wanted to do. And Chris had the good sense to dial it into these specific models and make it something that he could have a bigger scale with, you know, which makes a more functional, business out of it so i'm like that's really great and i think that um you know, that's probably the way to do it to make it make sense as a, as a gig you know perpetually but i also really just love the like getting in and trying to figure out somebody's weird custom idea like yeah we did that bizarre thing you know and stereophonic kind of yeah two heads in one kind of deal utterly ridiculous um, in every way but utterly badass in every way too yeah <laughs> there's a, a there's a lot of people with a lot of weird ideas that are interesting and it's kind of cool to just like get in people's heads and like you know it's kind of like recording bands or whatever which i did that for a long time before getting into amps and it's like you're trying to discern what this person means by they want it to be dark but really like fierce (laughs) and like i want to sound like uh you know these ridiculous adjectives start coming out and um you know it's it's kind of like what do you mean and then at some point you're like oh wait slayer t-shirt i know Jason 800 probably something like that and then but you want you know you try to parse it and figure it out and then at the end when you come up with something and they're really psyched on it and you're like i read your mind i did it i figured it out and then it's like that part is really satisfying well and you get you're helping someone achieve their vision right and that's always yeah that's always nice and then that's and that's another thing with the amps of, of like I've always wanted this kind of amp and now this amp is a exists it is a thing I can plug into a speaker mm-hmm. or multiple speakers and play through and that's mm-hmm. uh that's really cool you know and like I think that that might get lost a little bit sometimes just the the I mean I, I think it's it's shorthanded with like the artisanal aspect of things you know but I mean I think that that's it's more important to me now I think than it used to be I don't think I used to think about it that much frankly <laughs> then yeah yeah totally well it's like you know, people can like have like a part to play in the tools they use and that's cool. And, and then they can kind of, they use those unique tools to make unique music. And then you hear that music and then I feel like I'm part of what they're doing. Yeah. And it's like, it's a real, you know, mutual 
exciting thing. The circle um, of life. <laughs> yeah, circle of life. <laughs> okay, so sleepwalking sailors. Uh, inter- very in- interesting record. Uh, Hydraheads, kind of out of the picture. Is that that's the first one we did for Sergeant House, I think, right? If I remember yeah. correctly. We were working on it, and Hydrahead called us to let us know they were going to cease to be a label that was going to release new music. Um, so there we were. Um, we went into this whole pitch to release it ourselves. We filed for an LLC business license and planned on releasing ourselves. We even sent the masters off to get test presses. And um, somewhere in that process, uh, Chris Common, the engineer that recorded that record, he... Um, he passed it on to Kathy from Sergeant House, and um, and she was like, "This is awesome! I want to put it out." And so she got in touch and wanted to sign the band, and so it was like a, you know, it was like, I mean, it was going to happen one way or another, but it was great to have her help and um, you know, getting it you know presented in front of more people and sure. Uh, so yeah, it was, was kind of like second life with those guys and that was the first record we did with them and um it was weird because we recorded i think something like 20 songs for that session oh wow and it was like there was several split seven inches yeah there's a split, split with young EP. widows right i remember that one was it there, was there the, a, one, the one with young widows uh, kind of came out yeah. around that time right yep young widows uh, that songs for that came out of that session a split with a band called ladder devils um there's a split with a band called Tacos. Oh yeah, the Tacos is now playing in that band. Yeah. Um, I saw that. That's fantastic. I, I, I was yeah. like, oh, how cool! Wish I could I'm see the it. Middle, mixing their record <laughs> today, actually. Um, really? And it's they're they're so cool. They're so cool. Yeah, their records dope. Um, but yeah, so there was like a bunch of splits and a bunch of other random stuff. So big long recording session. And. That's a that's an that's an interesting record. I, I would say that's kind of t- to my taste. That's kind of one of your best. And but it's also kind of hard to pick like just one song. Like there isn't like oh that's the hit. Like you know you don't you don't have a like a whip it on there or something along those lines. It's just <laughs> you don't have a whip it on there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a very solid record, like all the way through. And and and, and that was the first one I th- I seem to recall. I mean that's the one that has pretty overt sea imagery. Uh, oh, usage. does it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the one's got the big, the the, dang, the dangling um, the fish with the dangling uh, oh, yeah. light thing. What do you call that thing? Totally. Probosis? I don't know. Uh, yeah, the the schmear. Yeah. yeah, like the deep water <laughs> fish that like, yo, we're so deep in the water, I got a light on my forehead. That's that's where exactly. we're exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, uh, that's how that fish Aaron talks John too. Gregory he starts everything with yo. It's did, a thing. Uh, painting for that, and he did a really cool job. It's beautiful. That yeah. Especially awesome. like uh like LP size. It's like really, really Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Again, a barter job. I made him a preamp pedal and that was yeah. the barter. <laughs> That's how you do things, people. <laughs> as long as no one tries to can I pay you with a song? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on now. So, uh, and, and you, uh, so you said you, uh, uh, if I remember right, you, you, you tracked that with Chris, right? With Chris Common as well? Yep. Recorded, mixed. Yep. Did you feel, I mean, obviously a lot of like heavy ambiguity for a band that like had a home with the, with, with the label, you kind of had a thing that you were, you were dialed into and then to have the ambiguity and like also like do all the, 
the pre-work that happens to be like, all right, guess we're just going out of this on our own, Sam Ronan in mm-hmm. the in the wilderness, right? <laughs> um, what what was the what was the mindset in the band around that time? Uh, as far as like that, that's a lot of you know, kind of emotional whiplash to have to deal with. It was, it was, it was definitely like a little wind out of sails. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, just to like. <laughs> you really guys in those nautical yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it, it, we were just kind of like, man, well, we'll just do it ourselves, and you know, we're still going to be a band, and whatever. Maybe yeah. we still, you know. We're not as visible as we once were, and maybe we don't get offered the same kind of support tours. But I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, as long as we're getting together a couple times a week and playing music, and we're going to be enjoying it, you know. Um, so it's kept us going ever since then, all through all that weird time and through COVID weird time and whatever. It's like, so those kind of things are like, they definitely change the plan, but it's also like, those things come and go and it's been pretty consistent throughout as far as the reality of the day-to-day of being this band we've never been like a you know a band that's like out there touring the world all year round paying our rent or with money from the band it's never been that kind of deal so when those kind of like on the label side of things get shook up it's like whatever you know it's a bummer um and it was sad to see hydra head go they definitely put so much out for so many weird yeah. creative bands and so I was, I was sad to see that kind of come to a close but at the same time i bet those guys feel a little bit the same way as i do is about the amp thing where it's like yeah. they feel good about what they did and maybe it's fine to have that be you know a closed chapter but from an outside perspective, uh, it's always something where we see a label like that kind of decide they're not going to do that anymore. Even if it's even if the aesthetic or even the bands aren't necessarily my thing, but especially if they are, I'm always kind of like, oh, that's that's sad. Like another island of misfit toys has just shut down. That like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> they're going to be in the but, archipelago you know, of misfit toys instead. I guess I don't know. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, I don't know. Of course those guys are i mean aaron's still doing playing bands he's still putting yeah. out records and you know he's doing his other siege label and if i'm saying that correct um uh so i mean like you know the names might change the, the you know this and that but in general like i'm kind of comforted when i look around at people like that and other people i've grew up with and known to be have their identity sort of wrapped up in the music they do and the art that they put out and the businesses they've run. And uh, I've always really identified with that community. And here we are all, you know, 20 years later in some cases where it's like, you're still a, a nerd like me. Okay, cool. <laughs> right, 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 right. Totally nuts. <laughs> do, doing cool nerd stuff. Yeah. 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 Or just like, you know, it's, it, it wasn't all bullshit for teenagers. And now we all have to grow up and, you know, move on from it. We can find ways to make it work, you know, with, with uh, so speaking of making it work with Sleepwalking Sailors, I, I it's easy to forget now, but like I think that was like 2014, and that was like around that same time that everyone was kind of discovering crowdfunding, and there was this moment they're like, oh, maybe you don't need a support system at all, just do yeah. some small dollar donations like Bernie Sanders. Not that anyone knew who Bernie Sanders was at that point, and uh, the reality, of course, was that no, that really is not that viable. Like it's, it worked for a few people for a few things, and. You know, otherwise it was. It started to feel bad, right? Yeah, it was sort of like. It started to feel bad. People would be like, internet begging. Why are you begging on the internet? And it's like, 
Well, you don't have to. You're not. It's not compulsory to be to be involved in this. This is. But then, yeah, people were not not down for that. Yeah. At least in the rock world. Maybe like if you're a Amanda Palmer fan or something, you think it's fantastic. But yeah, rock world did not care for it. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a weird thing, you know. Like I, because when we were facing putting out the record ourselves, we did launch one of those. Oh, yep. sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, okay. Decline. Still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, it, we did uh, hook up one of those crowdfunding deals, but the way we were doing it is we're like we're just treating this thing as a presale. Right. So it's basically like if you buy the record now then we can use that money to go record it and then um and then uh and send you a copy when it's done kind of thing but still at some point you need to see bands be like for x amount of dollars we'll come to your house and write you a song yeah we'll sing you happy birthday yeah yeah (laughs) it's like come on it's starting to get a little weird yeah hard pass <laughs> but i mean i get it everyone was trying different things and, and totally. you know it wasn't a one-size-fits-all kind of situation but uh, yeah, ultimately i think it's it's viability was overhyped in the way that um i don't know like it, it's it's weird I, I don't know if i necessarily want to like analyze the mechanics of crowdfunding and, and, and music in the modern era but like i feel like it kind of crested and fell to a certain degree. Well, one awesome thing that I think kind of came from that, that's unfortunately been one of the more functional ways for people to get health problems dealt with in this yeah. awful country. God damn it. I mean, You're right. it's yeah. pretty good, but there's a lot of bad too. And um, this, uh, this whole situation where people need to do a GoFundMe to get a fucking transplant or yeah. a surgery because the insurance system is fucking garbage and unfortunately we have to depend on our neighbors to cover our ass when something when the shit's the fan and it's just a it's a more functional way to do it you know and yeah it's it's this is the work that the government's supposed to be doing but instead of collecting money from everybody to spend to take care of these kind of things we have to reach out to the people that we happen to know and hope that they take mercy and chip in when we have to get you know heart surgery or broken leg or whatever otherwise everybody has to lose their house and their home and their you know everything else it's just like is this a weird thing but so the on the crowdfunding tip i definitely feel like that's one of the things it's like that's a good thing that came of that yeah i mean it is good that like should we should we have to do it no but since we do it's nice that like it goes beyond the bake sale right like you know totally and and, yep and as you know more people too there's more of those kinds of things that happen and that's you know that that's heartbreaking but it's something where you know that's both sides of being being connected with everybody thing with social media and stuff you know yeah it's not just misery all the time but it's good to be able to if you're in a position to help and you can it's nice that you have the ability to a be aware someone's going through some terrible traumatic trauma costly uh trauma and then also be able to help because so many times people are like oh that's awful you know or, or yeah. even worse, thoughts and prayers, which means I don't care about this at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's it's amazing how much you can stick together if, you know, like somebody's like had, has a crazy surgery and they need to come up with, you know, $30,000 or something. And yeah. if like a bunch of people chip in 50 bucks, 100 bucks, you know, it's like all of a sudden 
they're taken care of. It's yeah. just like that, that's that's that's, that's the nice side of it. Didn't work out so much for records, uh, but it, no, that, not. <laughs> that, that is the nice thing that we've been able to take that particular, not even uh, mediocre, just general misery and, and uh, supplant it somewhat with just some internet got you kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Weirdness. Uh, okay. So then, so after that, we got still side. That was uh, 2016. I think it mm-hmm. did, did that come out like right before the election, if I remember right. Like it was, it was like, yeah. What, what are your th- what are your thoughts on releasing a record just for the election? Do you think it's a good idea? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I don't know how it worked out timing wise and all that, but it definitely. Um, I, we recorded that record in Massachusetts with Kurt Blue, and um, it was. Uh, I remember. Every morning, me and Hosey would go to the YMCA in Salem just to, like, you know, shake it off before we go into record. And it was like, I remember on all the TV screens, it was, you know, Bernie Sanders, you know, they're all doing, they're still figuring out who the, you know, who on each side was going to be the actual person. And so it was like, it was front and center for sure and all that stuff. But yeah, weird time for sure. But I don't know. That record sounds pretty angry. That's yeah. Kind of cool. <laughs> it's great. Uh, more weight. That's a Giles Corey reference, right? The Crucible. Yeah. Okay. I... Yeah. Because because wait wait I'm sorry. Who the for the Crucible? The guy that Giles Corey from the from the, from the church. Uh, the um the witch trials. Yeah yeah. Um, isn't it called the Crucible? Well, I, I used to co- I used to quote that quote that dude. I don't know time. about the Crucible. I I read that when we were in Salem walking around. Uh, there was one of the graves in this old church was a memorial to him yeah. and the story of how he, they were thought he was a witch Yeah, and they were like, we're going to, we're going to smother him to death with a huge stone. They laid down, they put stones on him, put, and then he was just like, he's like, do you recant total... your testimony? Do you, do you recant? And, and, and like, he just says, what is more weight? Yeah. What a badass, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, fuck you. I'm not Tony shoot. <laughs> yeah, ain't no snitch. <laughs> yep, mm-hmm. uh, I'm a devil or whatever. <laughs> yeah, oh, so so I know it from the Arthur Miller play, uh, but I mean that's it's oh, a story okay. of a dude that actually existed. Um, that's, oh, okay, but that was uh that was probably one of my favorite plays in high school, just because Charles Corey's a badass. <laughs> <laughs> that's a rad story. I mean, what a fun creepy place. <laughs> yeah, that's that's got to be. You know, I spent a little, little time over there, and it's interesting that, you know, for the most part, it just seems like, oh, it's just America. And then, like, you kind of go to these places, and you're like, oh, this is America, right? Yeah. Yeah, different. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like the super dark old, side. Old places. Yeah, it's, it's got that old feeling to it, in a way that, like, most American places don't. Like, you know, if you go to, like, a, you, know, you know, Japan or China or something, it's like, oh, yeah, this has been here for thousands of years. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and here it's like ancient, ancient 250 years ago. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. This is where American. we just paved over all the Native American stuff and decided to, <laughs> no, we're going to do our stuff here now. Yep. Yep. That's where that happened. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, there, there's some there, there's some rippers on there, you know, uh, tit to toe, uh, meats and milk. Like there's, uh, there's, there's, there's some, there's some great tunes there where so you guys are. So that was, uh, when we fourth, fourth record still aside, right? Uh, yes. Yep. Uh, 
and this one you knew you were going to do with Sergeant House to, to begin with, right? Like it was that that relationship <laughs> was there. Uh, what what yep. were you thinking about with that one? Like, what, what were you? Was it just more like, hey, let's write more Holmes Lee songs, or did you? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, you know, it's like I was just keeping on, keeping on. You know, just the typical, you know, couple times a week get together, and here we are with songs, and yeah, you know, yeah. It was a. Uh, I, I that's like a boring answer. <laughs> no, no, not it's... a lot of intention or like pl- plotting with any of that. It's just there. There we had another record finally, and it was time to go in and record. Yeah, I mean, not not everything needs needs to be, uh, uh, you know, Rolling Stones in the south of France. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> uh, was it, and working with Kurt, that that was an enjoyable experience. Did he did he teach Absolutely. anything that like uh, you were like, oh, that's a cool. I didn't think about that uh, kind of trick or tip <laughs> with tracking. Uh, I mean, yeah, I kind of I really like turning my engineer brain off when I go into a situation like that because you're in the um, that um, you're in the uh, capable hands of this other person who has their creative input and their uh, engineer brain, and you just don't want to get in the way. Yeah. And especially somebody who's done that kind of stuff, because, you know, they're maybe aware that you've done some of this stuff, so they might be a little bit like, oh, boy, here we go. You know, and I know that feeling, so I definitely don't want to be that guy. <laughs> so, so I just I, I, I walk into that situation as I, I'm a dumb uh, musician and I'm just here to see rock, man. Just plug me in. What do I do? Where do I, I, just, I go? I just like to play. Yeah. Aloof myself. Yeah. You know, because it's not my, not my job. It's not my hat in that yeah, situation. So. You, you don't want to be. So, but I, I pay attention to little things here and there, but I also try to just like let, let the man do his thing yeah. and just stay out of his way. You're not being like, hey, where's the steering wheel in this back seat? Where is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't oh, find 3K? it. 3K? You're going to go for 3K, huh? I wouldn't have chose that. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Hmm. <laughs> what does mm mean? <laughs> uh, so then, uh, one of my favorite records that you guys have done, uh, which is uh, 2019. Nacta Luca. That's uh, also. Oh yeah. What 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 is that cover? What what that it's a uh, like exploding prism kind of. Like what is that? So, that's that's how Hosey came up with that. What that is is a photograph that I think I believe she took this photograph. It's um, through a telescope, stethoscope, microscope, microscope. Um, at I think it's um, the algae. Not algae. It's the um microscopic view of i believe it's uh oyster larvae or some something something sciencey hosey oh, does a science job where yeah. she like goes into the ocean and digs up clam beds and uh, gooey duck beds and and tries to do these scientific analysis of the health of these species and puget sound and when she's under the microscope one of the things she saw was that image and she just kept the photograph and was like this is so cool. We should use it for something. And that's what we ended up doing for the cover. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's beautiful. Like, but it's also like one of those things you're like, what is that? But that's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. It makes, keeps people guessing. Awesome. <laughs> I feel like there's been a lot of, you know, there, there's that, there's that t-shirt that's, it looks like the face, but I think it's like coral or something. If I remember right. Like, they, but it looks like a monster face or something. And you're like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like she's the, she's the queen of finding crazy underwater stuff that looks badass and yep. <laughs> repurposing it's, it. Well, I guess that's I guess, her move. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's kind of what she does, right? So, you know. Yeah, exactly. Turns out she's good at as what she does. 
Hmm. Nice. <laughs> uh, I. Yeah, I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of that one. Uh, Illegal Guardian, I think that's like one of my favorite songs of you guys. Uh, oh, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of. I, I do. I did want to bring up the fact that. Did you know you had a song called Pandemic on there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you remember you know that? What that's about Dana's nickname within the band and and friends is Danger Panda because she's constantly like, "Don't walk out on the street. Be careful." You know, don't you don't sit on that. That thing looks, you know, looks dangerous. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, she's always calling people out for doing risky behavior. Right. <laughs> so danger, danger, panda, panda, pan is a nickname for her. Pan, just short for danger panda. And then she wrote some part of the song for pandemic or the entirety of pandemic, and so that was the name that came out of that. Nice. But then there was a pandemic. And yeah, then there was later. an actual like I've seen that show up on on a few like pandemic playlist just because of the it's got the word pandemic in it i'm sure just it was like oh i'll use this one yeah that's great this is cool too. <laughs> which is not yeah. necessarily the way that you want to be discovered on something like spotify where it's like oh god <laughs> right i always think about isis those poor guys oh my god yeah of course yeah geez yeah. when they got back together for one of the um caleb from cave in passed away and there was all these benefit shows and isis was one of the bands that got together to do it but I, I think, think because they, they didn't want any flack, they just um, did the show as celestial. Was it? Oh, I thought it was oceanic. Maybe you're, I, I was gonna say I remember it was something where it was like, "If you know, you know." Where it's like, "Oh yeah, okay." That it's it's the name of one of their records. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, what are you gonna do? Like even even what now, are you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna have someone from Nebraska. Hey man, f you. <laughs> yeah, totally. Which I'm, I'm something, sure something's gonna go wrong somewhere somehow. <laughs> yeah, and considering the times we live in, like why, why, why even try to push that? Really. Yep. Uh, so yeah, like I, I know shockingly little about that record and the fact that I think I put, I think I put it on one of my top. That was on one of the top of the year episodes that I did. I don't, know, I don't remember anything. I do a lot of these shows, but that's cool. Uh, I definitely have told a lot of people about it. What, um, how'd you, how'd you record that one? Like, was that something that? Uh, what was the that, that one was it was um we did that one here back in seattle and it was this time we did it with a guy named sam bell and sam bell is kind of a he's a producer engineer guy from not from the same world as us and like matt bayless and chris common and kurt Ballou, who all kind of come from this sort of birth from punk rock and hardcore and yeah. expanded into other genres of music and you know there's sort of like a a mutual starting place with which to like refer to music and talk about things with those guys. And we all know the same records and the same producers and the same infamous techniques. You know, we like, you know, might talk about like Steve Albini or we might talk about, you know, a certain, you know, you know, noise record or whatever. Sam comes from a different world. He's worked with, you know, Taylor Swift and like U2 and Minus the Bear is how we came to be buddies. He was working with them and ended up moving to town. And um, But he's a super sweet dude and, uh, you know, likes heavy music, even though it's not his, yeah. his birthing. But, you know, he just had a really different perspective on how to go about things and, you know, would spend less time on certain things that would typically get more attention and more time on things like, I would say, like, 60% of all of the work around that record was vocals. It was like, 
sing that part, sing it a lower octave, sing it a higher octave, sing one nasty, sing one really soft. And then, you know, you have all these vocal takes on a, just one performance and then, um, you know, piece it together. And, and I think that ended up being a really cool perspective on it that the other records don't necessarily have. That So it is cool. It's a different take. It's sonically rich. Uh, yeah, especially with the vocals, and, and it's interesting to hear you say that because it was one of the first things that I noticed with it. I, I was, I was like, oh wow, like this vocal stuff is wild. Like, what's going on? Like, let, yeah, let me listen yeah, to the yeah. headphones. This he did, awesome. he did a really good job. That's a, uh, yeah. I mean, was it, was it weird like working with someone outside your world like that? Like, was was there like an adjustment period? It's kind of comforting in a way, you know. Like it's, it's like you. There really is, is, there's no like preconceived, we can't like, you know, when you know somebody really well and you can kind of guess what they're going to say before they say it, even though that can be to the detriment of the conversation, <laughs> you know, you like, I, I know you really well and I, I think I know what you're going to say and I know what you're thinking and I think I, I know how to solve this problem before you even tell me what it is and that can yield a lot of confusion and a lot of like, can make your job harder and yeah. so one of the cool things about working with a guy like that is like he was just totally different angle on it so we all had to kind of you know with a fresh perspective try and describe i want my guitars to be stereo and like big and whatever and he's like oh okay you know and it's like it's not like these things are duh it's like it's it's all conversation it's yeah. all uh, like you know uh, from starting from scratch, what are we doing here? Kind of thing. It's kind of cool because you, then you have to think through your ideas, verbalize them, and then you kind of understand what you're doing better than otherwise. You know, whereas if you go in with Matt Bayless, he, you know, he's going to know how to do the thing that you're trying to do before you do it, and, which is great in its own way as well. But it's just it's just cool doing different approaches. Yeah, and it's going to bring out different kinds of things from you too, right? I mean, because you're going to approach it exactly. So that's there's there's something to be said for that. <laughs> uh, do you think so? So you got this new record. That they, they that you've can you what can you tell us about the, this new one? Like where, when when can people expect to see it? Yeah, um, unless anything barring any very possible disasters oncoming, um, it's supposed to be out in March, as I understand it. Um, there's going to be a couple of big tours immediately after the record's release that, um, to be determined, I'll, I'll, to be announced. Yeah. yeah, I'll leave it there. But, um, so yeah, that one we recorded ourselves, um, at the amp shop before it turned into a bar. Um, we kind of built it out to be a recording studio. Um, and I'd been working on that before COVID, but when COVID hit and nobody wanted to go to the rehearsal space where there was other people, we decided that we will be in our pod together and we'll meet at the, um, the now studio was an amp shop, became a bar later and work on setting everything up and try and record the record ourselves. And just, just try and write music. We didn't have any songs written at all. And we would just get together and, Dana James works uh, at a coffee shop down the block from where the bar and the amp shop is. And even though they were also closed, she would sneak us in and make everybody fancy lattes and stuff. Nice. And then we'd feel like we're privileged, you know, yeah. situation. And then 
go down to the studio and just work on writing music and you know try not to have a mental breakdown and uh <laughs> and you know just it's like something to do every day yeah, you know? yeah. get on the get on the vacant freeway and drive to the studio and work on you know it was, yeah. it was nice to have a little bit of a purpose um so anyway four months of that later we ended up having um a bunch of songs tracked and then we started working up through vocals and um finished that record i guess probably i don't know when did that all get done it's hard to so it's all kind of mush, mushy last winter i guess and then <laughs> yeah um, i i kind of feel like it's sort of like was that last week or last year i don't even know it's all dude, the same <laughs> hardcore yeah right now i'm like time i have no idea but anyway so two years later after covid it should be coming out um awesome and uh and sergeant house is putting it out and um uh chris common mastered it and uh i got artwork from um brian montori to the painting for the cover it's really cool um yeah i don't know i'm excited about it it's something to look forward to going on tour seems like i'll believe it when i see it but i like looking forward yeah. to it so <laughs> that's how i nice feel about style. it too yeah like yeah we'll see um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's the plan. So I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll plan on it. I'll plan on that plan. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, it was the sound of sirens in, in Los Angeles last weekend. And on the whiteboard, I noticed Melvin Selms Lee and I was like, Oh yeah. Excited to hear the collaboration. Cause that was, uh, that was a, Oh cool. Neat things, neat folks doing neat things with each other. Neat. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a recording project underway there too. So yeah, we'll see how that evolves. <laughs> Ben, oh. this has been awesome, dude. Yeah, totally. Good talking. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. I've been, I've been after you to do it for a while. Uh, and you've always been too busy to do it. So um, really appreciate <laughs> Sorry. you making the time. Uh, I'm trying to de-busy myself. That's what quitting the amp biz is all about. <laughs> Last question. I ask everybody who comes on the show. And it's the only canned question I ever asked. You could choose to interpret it however you like. But why do you do what you do? Mm. man why do I do what I do um God. right that's a good question oh, why do I do what I do what am I doing <laughs> uh I, man I yeah it's a good it's a good one I mean it, it seems like the thing that makes the most sense playing music with your friends doing art how and when you can you know trying to do some traveling trying to get some perspective and trying to like i don't know it seems like it seems like the thing to do i don't uh, until until proven otherwise i guess that's just do the thing that seems like it makes sense to do i don't damn man really to the core shit <laughs> well like I said, there's no wrong answer. I just kind of like care how people answer it. Uh, and I really appreciate you taking the time, Ben. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Hopefully see you soon. Yeah, right on. All right, brother. Take care. Take care, brother. Bye-bye. Oh, there he goes. Ben Verellen, Helmsley, Harkonnen. What a cool guy. Uh, Barhouse. Barhouse. Uh, let's listen to Helmsley tune.
All right, so that was Illegal Guardian off of Noctiluca. That is the most recent record that came out in 2019. 2019, wow, that was a a while ago. Uh, And before that, we had 816 off of Weatherhead. And before that, Schmina. Off of Night Terror, one of my favorite songs of all time, and uh, allegedly I've I've learned now to how to pronounce it. Uh, you know, whatever. Take 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 of that what you will. I can't necessarily say that's that's true, but uh, yeah, Shmuna. I guess I gotta Hosey come on the show. Tell tell me again. I'll I'll, I'll get it this time. But yeah, uh, those are all songs by the fantastic Ben Varellen and. Dan James and uh, Hososhi, and it's uh, Helms Lee, and they're great, and I recommend... I don't think they made a bad record. They, they, they're all worthwhile. They're all interesting, all super cool, consistent, consistently badass, and uh, there's something to be said for that. So if you don't know, or if you know, you know. If you don't, go check them out. And of course, the new one coming out soon. Okay. The name of the show is Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal. Thank you oh so very much for listening to it. This show airs Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific on Radio Nope Say Yes to Nope. Archives. ProtonicReversal.com. Always free, no ads, no sponsors. No kidding. But if you like the show and you want to hear episodes sooner, patreon.com slash protonicreversal, $1 a month will achieve that goal for you. Also help support the show. Thanks to everyone uh, sharing the show around, letting people know about it, letting know this a uh, worthwhile thing to spend some time on. It's always appreciated. All the love. Had a little break there uh, with the show, but it's back now. So, I'll, more on that later. Overall, thanks for just thanks in general for listening. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it, and I don't take it lightly. Stay safe out there, and take it easy.
to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. broadcasting if there's no one there to receive it's the end of radio as we come to the close of our broadcast day
emergency. 